his ultimate goal Gotta call my team back at Old Not Hole It's Sonic and the Freedom Fighters Sally the princess, one of a kind Bunny always there to get you out of a bind Rona the genius looking through the archives And Tails flying fast, got dreams sky high Antoine's a jerk, yeah. it's Sonic and the Freedom Fighters Hey everybody, welcome back to the Archie Sonic Digest. A 20-year comic does not happen where nothing ever goes down. And on that note, why don't we just get right into it and introduce uh, today's guest, my good dear buddy Jackal, friend of the show. Hey, not only am I back, I've got higher quality mic this time. Look at that. Audio, you love to see it. <laughs> and of course... uh while you're here, why don't we remind you to uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell icon, the usual stuff, and if you're on Spotify listening, uh, hit the subscribe button. Why don't you? You're here already. And of course, if you feel inclined to support a little bit and you get some bonuses in return, like a video version of the podcast, patreon.com slash sonicspeed. We can go as low as $2 a month, you'll get the podcast early, to $15 a month and you'll get a video version and you'll get a... Uh, I got a green screen behind me. You don't want to miss out on all the memes behind me, don't you? So with shilling out of the way, why don't we get into the real meat of this podcast, Sonic the Hedgehog comics. And for once, we actually have more Sonic the Hedgehog comics. It feels like the last episodes that I've been doing have just been more Knuckles than Sonic, which may I was be... going to comment on that, because uh, the two times I was on, it was also more Knuckles than anything else. And then you send me this list, and I'm like, oh, it's just one episode of Knuckles and mostly Sonic. Yeah, it's it's amazing, isn't it? I actually feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and not talking about uh, a different character. This is the Archie Sonic Digest, after all. What a shocker. Well, why do you think Archie ended the Knuckles run in, what, three, four more issues after this one? Ooh, good point. Anyway, <laughs> let's let's kick things off with uh, Sonic number 74, written by Cara Bowlers and art by Stephen Butler. So... Hot off the heels from the last episode, Sonic runs back to King Max with only saying these two words. Knotholes gone. The Robians just disappeared. I think it was these satellites that were messing with, but I, 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 don't, I don't know. But I have no intention of sitting around here. I need to go look for them. And King Max says, hey, Sonic, wait, listen, just calm down. We can work with this together. Let's, we have the systems in place. Let's just work together. And he snaps back saying... I just got my family back after 10 years, and now they're just gone, and you're telling me to accept that? So Sonic's pissed, storms out, refusing to listen to the king. Sally goes after him and says, Sonic, listen, you kind of do need to listen to the king here. I mean, he is kind of like the law of the land here. Like, I don't know if it's a good idea for you to just actively uh, go against what he says. To which Sonic just simply says, no. I'm going to space. On the outskirts of the city, Sonic doesn't really have any idea what to do until the Freedom Fighters and Nate Morgan uh, follow him, saying, Listen, we don't have to be Freedom Fighters to be friends, necessarily. And Nate offers a way to investigate the satellites. He points to a space shuttle, saying that he and Rotor found it before he left, thinking that a Robotnik wanted to expand his empire into space. Power Rings can take up most of the journey, but they'd have to use fossil fuels for the rest of the way, to which Sonic calls Dulcie to make up for it. That explains... You, you mentioned the uh, during the pre-show the lack of fossil fuels 
So that does explain why they needed the dragon to get them to space. Mm-hmm. I was kind of confused by that, so thank you for mentioning that earlier. Yeah, the Mobians don't like the fossil fuels. I guess it's just something that's innate to them. They they care about the environment. I was going to say, they are animals. They need the environment. It makes sense. I mean, so do we. Humans also need the environment. Ah, but you see, humans are stupid. Yes, and uh, we see that in the Overlander. So you know what? Dulcie, as you mentioned, Jackal, carries the space shuttle up into the stratosphere. And from there, the Freedom Fighters activate the shuttle and just launch. In a lower orbit, I believe, the Freedom Fighters eject themselves in spacesuits and make their way up to the large satellite. Nicole saying that these eight satellites that activated one by one combine to form this big one, and they can get in from a trash chute that opens for about 30 seconds, and with that they rush in, which, again, need I ask, is, I feel like that was uh, inspired from uh, Star Wars, because I trash chute, come on. Come it's on. really weird seeing these Sonic characters in spacesuits of all things. Yeah, because I think we've been conditioned to uh, think that they don't need to be in spacesuits. Sonic can breathe in space. He may not be able to swim, but he can breathe in space. Uh, I blame Sonic X for that. Mm-mm. No, no, no. Mm, no, I mean, SA2 and... I guess not really... Yeah, SA... No, they were on the Ark the entire time. But Shadow of the Hedgehog, they definitely were in space without spacesuits. Yeah, but, you know, again, I, I guess it's just them taking... Uh, well, not creative liveries. They didn't know at the time. They're... Yeah, there are creative liberties. Maybe they did assume, you know? And I think that's a fair assumption that he, uh, living creatures need oxygen to survive. Oh, I don't disagree with them wearing it. I'm just pointing out how weird it is to see him after all these years of just no spacesuits. True, true, very true. With the satellite having artificial gravity and oxygen, they dismount and are immediately surrounded by shadow SWAT bots. Sonic fights them off. Another wave comes in with larger bots in incoming, to which a voice calls, ah, 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 ah. I think they know the drill, don't you, Freedom Fighters? And Sonic immediately sees that it's Robotnik, back from the dead. Whoa. How, how, like, question for you while we're looking at this. Between Endgame and now, how long has actually passed in universe? Uh, maybe six months? Man, these guys only had half a year to not deal with this guy and now he's back? Oh, oh, wait, wait till you see, wait till you see. Sonic charges in, demanding to know what happened to his family, Robotnik smacking away, and Bunny hitting him back with a zoom punch. Pushing Robotnik back inside, the Freedom Fighters see the factory, all the Robians who went missing, with Robotnik saying he merely restored their lack of free will. How can you say I've done something wrong? Look at all the jobs I've created. Yes, Robotnik, <laughs> look at all the jobs you've created. A zero percent... Sonic then proceeds to punch him in the face. Tails points out that he's never seen Sonic like that before. As they fight, Robotnik becomes entrapped. Cape snagged is then doused with a chemical spray with his skin sizzling off. Leaving the Freedom Fighters in shock. Sonic saying, hold on, that's not Robotnik. It's... And that's where the story ends. Leave a little cliffhanger for you for the next issue, why don't you? I'm ready. But first, we got, it looks like we got a little interlude. Not interlude, but... Uh, well, I mean, yeah, it's an interlude, a little transition to the next story. So, Amy and Nate Morgan are watching the Freedom Fighters take off, just since they were left behind, obviously, to which uh, Amy says, Wow, you know, it's kind of a surprise to see that all the Robians are just gone. Me and Tails were with Sonic's parents uh, at the library just yesterday. And that'll transition us to story B, 
done by Ken Penders, art by Art Mawinney. Basically, we open with, uh, actually with Uncle Chuck. He mentions that while he does regret saving Robotnik way back when, he said he'd still do it again. Not because Robotnik did good for the war, but because he's the bigger man at the end of the day. He recalls about how, oh, you know, we're not his kind. He may just be what we need to win the war. King Max also probably allowed Julian uh, into the fold because he was somewhat guilty about what happened to Nate Morgan. And as Julian was being showed around by Kodos, the last thing that he saw or that he saw was the zone of silence. Julian knocking Kodos over the head and being thrown into the zone of silence. And Julian's explanation of Kodos's disappearance was that, oh, Kodos just tampered with something he didn't understand and it got the better of him. To which King Max took hook, line, and sinker and asked him about what his personal assessment of the war is, with Julian saying the Overlanders want to eradicate everything in their path, so the only option is to destroy them before they destroy you, giving Max the reason to take an aggressive approach. And Uncle Chuck's saying that Julian probably figured that both sides would neutralize the other, giving him clear sailing to seize control. That's the end of Sonic number 74. And by the way, I just want to point something out here. Robotnik saying Overlanders want to eradicate everything in your path, that's going to be said a lot during these uh, flashbacks. That's kind of the key takeaway of uh, Robotnik's manipulation. Really trying to get into the head of the king of just like, listen, you know, you're not going to, you can't play pat cakes with these people. They're going to, they're, they're going to want to take you out. And I'm not going to lie. He isn't wrong, but he also does have ulterior motives. I- Teddy, yeah, um, Julian here has not lied once. Like, yeah, these guys will kill you. They'll kill your family. They will take over your your kingdom. You need to be aggressive. I mean, again, you're right in ulterior motives, but still, man didn't lie once. Good for uh, him. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I okay, guess he didn't. I guess he didn't tell flat out lies. He 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 just he just led them along. You know, yeah, left breadcrumbs for them to follow. Which I mean, they are animals. So is that racist? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say him taking out the other, the other, uh, the other warlord guy, and like lying about that—that that just made complete sense. Like, I believe that that guy got got himself killed by touching stuff he shouldn't have touched. Yeah, dude's a meathead. All he knows is swing axe. I swing axe. Why did I fall in zone? This will then lead us to uh, the big Sonic number seventy-five. We have another milestone issue. Last episode we read Knuckles number twenty-five. We got two for one, baby. We did it. We've we've. I'm amazed this comic lasted as long as it did, as it did. But even like seventy five issues is just kind of wild. Oh boy, you you ain't seen nothing yet. You genuinely ain't seen nothing. Oh, yet. Oh, I'm aware. I haven't. So, uh, of course, written by uh, Carl Bowler's art by Stephen Butler. So big reveal, big reveal right off the bat. This Robotnik is revealed as Robo Robotnik, who entraps the Freedom Fighters in the electric field. Bunny tries to punch her way out, but ends up electrocuted and knocked out. To refresh everybody, Robo Robotnik was the the central villain a previous so- or a couple different per- Sonic what, stories. Wasn't he the main villain of that time? We had to get a crap ton of Sonics together to beat up beat him up. Yep, yep, that's exactly it. I I love this plot twist that it's Robo Robotnik for two different reasons. One, he was already set up in a previous arc. Like he is a thing that existed. I didn't know if they killed him or not. Two, it avoids the comic trap hole of, yeah, somebody who died got brought back to life. This this is not the original Eggman. Not the Robotnik, I should say. On that note, it kind of felt like this was sort of something that, yeah, it was an inevitability. Of course, you can't have a Sonic comic without, like, 
a Robotnik or Eggman. Like, that's kind of insane. I mean, what was it? Robotnik was killed off in 50. And so we have basically have 25 issues without Robotnik, technically. Robo Robotnik was always, like, in the shadows leading other characters along. So this is, like, the big reveal that, like, yep, this is Robotnik, but, like, it's an alternate universe version of Robotnik, and the circumstances of which we'll get into real quick, so let's not waste any more time. Sonic claims, hey, you were defeated during the Borg incident, how did you, how are you still alive? He says, nah, listen, buddy, listen. I uploaded my consciousness into a satellite, but uh, I was trapped for a good amount of years. But then when Robotnik Prime was sent to my time, I sent him back, but... I gained knowledge exactly of what happened to the Borg, and after finding that last piece that was left in my zone, I constructed a new body for myself and proceeded to nuke the planet. Quote, I just had eradicated my Sonic while you had ridden yourself of your Robotnik. Thus, I traveled through space and time to fill the void left in both our lives. My man literally... Not only killed his enemy, but nuked his entire planet and said, I'm going to do it again. I'll do it again. I'll do it again. Sonic basically just calls him insane, which, yes, he is insane for everything he's done up to this point, And asks, well, why did you pull this satellite stunt when you could have just shown up at any point? He says, I just wanted to lure you guys away from Mobotropolis while the shadow bots invade his city. Nate Morgan and Amy are fighting off what they can. Jeffrey is ordered to take the king and civilians to Knothole. And Dr. Quack is taking the cryostasis chamber Alicia is in. And King Mass is just simply asking, hey, where'd Sally go? Robo Robotnik then pages into the uh, throne room saying, hey, listen, buddy. She's here with me and I'm going to roboticize her and her friends. To which King Max basically tries to plead with him a little bit. Appeal to his humanity. First mistake. And says, listen, Robotnik, Julian, spare the children. Take me instead. Roboticize me in their place. To which Robotnik ponders on it for a, a fat second and says, you know, uh, no. I'll take you both instead. How about that? In in, in what world did did uh, the king here think this would be a good idea? Uh, a, he's a robot. There's no humanity left in him. Uh, B... He has he has the upper hand here. You don't have the upper hand. I mean, I think that's I, I mean desperate kinds fall for desperate measures. He wasn't thinking. He said, "Listen, yeah, uh, d take me instead. Roboticize me instead. Just let the kids go." And he said, "No." Nah. The shadow bots then break into the med bay, and the king asks, "Just everyone run, evacuate." To which Elias, thinking quickly, realizes that the cryo tubes are still hooked up disconnects them and freezes the shadow bots in their place. Brilliant move. Excellent move. Keep it up. Back on the satellite, Sonic tries to come up with a way to help the Robians with Sally saying, Sonic, the free wills were taken away. They might not want to be helped. Robo Robotnik saying, correct on that front. As proof, shows Sonic's family as his mindless slaves. His parents, Uncle Chuck, and his beloved dog. Pissing Sonic off, making him run headfirst into the electric barrier. And, uh, on the planet's surface, it's a quick page, Jeffrey's helping civilians from the shadow bots. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, I didn't catch this while I was reading. Is that bomb? Yes. They're, they're in this comic too? Yes, they are part of the, well, they're not part of the Chaotix, they're part of, uh, Jeffrey's, uh, Secret Service team. So it's Heavy and Bomb, 
and some other original characters. I didn't catch that during my first read through. I was not expecting to see Amir. Well, we're all this is a comic full of surprises. What can I say? Sorry, continue. Uh back on the satellite, the freedom fighters are somehow freed and they realize it was Snively of all people who did so. And Snively said that I'm just doing this because this Robotnik, yeah, he's not like my uncle, like he's insane and actually he wants to roboticize me too. So um uh, I I'm trying to help myself right now too. So uh I'm I'm tagging along with you. Let's let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And uh Sally says, "You know what? I think he's legit. Let's just play along with what he's asking." And Nicole Page is in saying, I already called, their, called the shuttle. Let's just go. Sally brought an explosive to destroy the satellite as they leave. Sonic pulls out a ring, intending to find his family before they go. Sally pleading with him, Sonic, we don't have time for this. We only have like a few minutes until the explosives go off. To which Sonic says, well, better get ahead of schedule. And he runs. I don't know what she expected. Robian, and she mentioned before that Robians were being going to be sent back into the planet anyway. That's a chance I need to take. He's running, charging through the shadow bots, and sees Robians departing on a shuttle with Robo Robotnik beside. Sonic fights, obviously not doing any damage to uh, Robo Robotnik's metal skin, and has Sonic pinned to the ground. However, Robo Robotnik ends up getting hit over the head with a ring thrown by Sonic's parents, who had their free will kept intact due to the power rings they were wearing, basically as like their wedding bands effectively that was from a previous episode so upon seeing this he grabs his parents just in time for the shuttle to be taken off with the freedom fighters as snively satellite explodes and sonic's parents are basically recalling their situation uncle chuck and the other robians wouldn't respond because of this weird beacon that went off but their power rings that they were wearing on their arms glowed real strongly when the beacon was active so they just played along to find out what was going on as the sun rises over the now-abandoned Robotropolis. An assortment of robotic bodies lie dormant in the basement of Old Castle Acorn, waiting to be filled with the spark of life. One of them, now active, saying, quote, It will take more than a mere explosion to do me in, Sonic. With Robo-Robotnik, now in the design of Dr. Eggman. We've, we've done it, folks. We've done it. And by the way, this story for the Big Sonic 75 was named... I am the Eggman. Art. I'm... Ah, brilliant. I was gonna say, they haven't brought up the name Eggman yet outside of that, so I'm curious as to why he starts getting called Eggman, but I'm sure we'll get to that at some point. We'll get to that, because yes, you're right. As of now, we're still calling him Robo-Robotnik, but I imagine we'll start calling him uh, Eggman around the Sonic Adventure arc, which we will get to that. Can't hold on much longer. And I can't let go. So, we'll then charge right into Sonic number 76. Written by Kara Bowlers and art by Fry. He's a new artist. I believe he works more with Marvel and DC. So he's a little bit of a... He's in the field. He's in the field. Just a job for him. So, the Freedom Fighters and Snively have abandoned their ship after crash landing. The Shadow Box are looking for them at this point. Nicole mentioned that by now, everyone should have already evacuated to Knothole. So let's just go meet them there. With Snively saying, what the fuck is wrong with you? That's a horrible idea. Robotnik has that location on file, and he's probably going to download it to his consciousness to look for it. Snively, at that point, tries to cut loose, but is stopped by Sonic, surrounded by the other Freedom Fighters, asking him to get the files before Robotnik does. With Snively saying, hey, listen, I already helped you by freeing you. Like, I I'm good here. We the, the, we're done here. We're done. To which Sonic responds by grabbing Snively in and saying loudly... 
It sure would suck if these shadow bots found you since you're a traitor and all. Uh, Sally then says, it. listen, buddy, like, Sonic's not going to take no for an answer. Like, you're, it's best for you to start helping out right now. Just, just get a move on. You, either he's going to beat you up or they're going to beat you up. Either way, you're getting beat up. Let's go. Let's go. Sally then sends Antoine, Tails, and Bunny to take Sonic's parents back to Knothole for the time being, which is uh, now packed with the entire population of Mobotropolis. They never exactly give an estimation of the population, but imagine this. Mobotropolis. Big city. Uh, Knothole. Tiny woodland forest. Uh, that's going to be problems uh, in and of itself, don't you think? Gonna need to build some houses. Mm. This is gonna be tight. Max uh, takes center of the town. Well aware there aren't enough homes to house everybody. All he just says, hey, for the time being, the old and the sick get first dibs. Meanwhile, Sonic, Sally, and Snively are seeing Shadowbots take Mobians into Robotnik's HQ. Sonic distracts them as Snively takes Sally inside. Sonic fights them off, but Robotnik has already called for reinforcements and just tells the freed Mobians to run. Inside, Sally is uploading data into Nicole, but is almost captured by a shadow bot, but stops after Snively dismantles it. Sally's appreciative, but it's not used to working with someone who tried to do me in on more than one occasion. I, I actually kind of like their conversation here. Just Snively going, oh, you had to bring that up, didn't you? Uh, I mean, you know, more than one occasion. I think that's a fair estimate. Yeah, no, I agree. It's I'm like, oh, saying. you had to bring that up. Like, yeah, you tried to roboticize me, take away my free will, kill my family. You were uh, uh, a tool to the original invasion and ruined my life. So, you know, it's a matter. It, you're lucky I didn't snap your neck. You know, just take things into consideration. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Sonic fights and eventually entraps the shadow bots outside. But one of the Mobians that he saved end up coming back saying she desperately needs to go in. Someone that I loved was taken in. And Sonic is like pleading with her. Don't don't go in there. The Your loved one may already have been roboticized. And trust me, you don't want to see that. I, I, I want to interrupt real quick because he is incredibly blunt here. He's like, it, I, I'm not lying to you. Your your loved one's a robot. I can't help you here. I I'm sorry. A part of me, a part of me appreciates how blunt he is, but I'm also like, have a little tact, man. I don't know, man. Like, they're kind of at war again. Like, mm, maybe, maybe tact is not, uh, not on the front of his mind right now. Sonic doesn't have a lot of tact in general, so you're not wrong. True, true. So, this girl frustrated. All she can really do is just sit at the steps and cry. Sally and Snively walk out and see the girl. Sally consoles her, asking for her name. Mina. Mina Mongoose is her full name. And as Snively's walking away, quote, suggesting that you go back to Knothole if you know what's good for you. Robo Robotnik over the monitors sees Sonic, Sally, and Mina walk away. And as he tries to download the location of Knothole into his memory banks, the download aborts itself and says he feels dizzy. Shadowbot's taking him into a med bay, and we see on the monitor that there was a virus found in the computer system. That's the end of that story. Yeah, and you know what? Very clever on Sally's part. Uh, Robotnik is a robot now. Let's just make a virus. Hilarious, isn't it? I mean, it gets him out of the way for at least a few chapters. <laughs> issues. Chapters, issues, it's all the same thing. We know what we're at. We know what we're talking about. Look, I'm a weeb. My brain goes anime. It goes manga first. Mongo. So, that was the end of that story, but we're moving on to story B. Uh, Ken Pender's special with art by Chris Allen. Bunny, Antoine, Tails, and Sonic's parents are making their way back to Knothole. 
Right now, they're hiding in a cave from shadow bots. Jules notes that the bots were going into the direction they were intending to go to, and we need to find another route. Tails objects, saying, listen, we need to go to the library. We can't leave behind Jeremiah and the books. Bernadette agrees, saying, we need to protect our culture and history. They go into the library and find Jeremiah safe, but they really stress, dude, we need to get out of here. But he won't leave until he finished chronologizing his grandfather's books. Jules reads out from one of those books, talking about an overlander bombing campaign on Mobotropolis, the leader of which Colin, the brother of Robotnik, wants no survivors. And everyone is brought into a bunker during this campaign as two women, Bernadette and Coco, dug deeper into the earth into the sewer system, and they brought everyone out to where the overlanders were, and a uh, sneak attack. Colin responds in kind, shooting at Amadeus, uh, Tails' dad, for a refresher. And uh, that's how he ended up losing his left eye. That's why he's got an eye patch. I'm, I'm learning a lot right now. I didn't know Tails had a canonical dad. I didn't know Robotnik had a brother. Yeah, I mean, this is an educational podcast. <laughs> what can I'm, I say? I'm learning so much th- deep lore. And uh, the Mobians and Overlanders charged at one another, quote, as they were in a war not over territory, but over their very existence. Colin, however, snuck away from the uh, skirmish and went into the sewer system trying to sneak into Mobotropolis. But King Max then shows Julian the photo and reaffirms his original argument. Overlanders fight until they've either run or no one will be left alive. And Julian, having won over King Max's trust, presented him as the next warlord. And Jules notes that Max basically made a deal with the devil, but tells Tails it's important to preserve the lessons learned. Let's take what we can, and we'll come back for the rest later if we can. We're at the end of Sonic number 76. Something that had just been bothering me throughout these uh, flashbacks, they, they keep going like, you're an overlander, how do overlanders fight? I mean, obviously he's giving them answers, but like, why should he know that? I, I'm, I, I took in my notes, I'm like, that'd be like people being like, you're an American, how does the American army fight? Like, it's a generalization argument, I can say that much, but in Robotnik's case, he kind of was the person who would know, since he was, he wasn't like high up in the Mobian, or Overlander government, or anything like that, he was just a, one of the higher level head scientists, so he does know military tactics and stuff like that. So, yeah. I knew he was a scientist for them, but I didn't really, he was part of the... He was a military scientist, yes. That makes more sense. Alright, so, with that anecdote out of the way, uh, we'll just move on to Sonic number 77. Uh, again, uh, Carl Boulder's writing and Fry doing the art. Kind of like an interesting transition uh, from the last story B, for once. We don't really see this often. Amy comes down uh, from the slide to knothole as Antoine... Bunny, Tails, Jules, Bernadette, and Jeremiah all come into Knothole. Dr. Quack comes in to check on Jules and Bernadette, wondering how they were able to contain their free will. Jules replying that, oh, the power rings that Nate and Chuck helped probably contain their free will. Quack saying that, it, what are you talking about? That's not scientifically possible. With Nate coming in saying, oh, science doesn't matter where the super emerald is concerned. That, that line makes me laugh just because you live in a world of... Well, besides the talking animals, uh, literal robot people, uh, supersonic is a thing. There's a floating island. 
my man Dr. Quackus be like, bro, that's not scientifically possible. Man, there's a whole society flying on, that's living on a floating landmass. Where is your science now, buddy? <laughs> Where is your science now? Christians 1, Atheist 0. Uh, <laughs> King Max then comes to Bunny, Antoine, and Tails saying, uh, where are Sonic and Sally? With them meekly replying that they stayed behind in, in Robotropolis to complete a mission and, uh, you know, uh, with Max then saying, another mission without my approval, huh? Tell me more. I'd love to hear all about it. The Sonic and Sally are walking the rescued Mobians across the desert to the Great Forest. Nicole warns them about more Shadowbots coming in from the west. Sally tells them to run as Sonic is about to engage to fight. But he and Sally end up surrounded. Till Dulcie comes in, whacks them around with their tail, destroys them... And offers Sonic and Sally a lift back to Knothole. Why isn't this dragon around more? I feel like she'd win most of the fight. She would. That's why she's not around. Too easy. Yeah, fair enough. Meanwhile, in the far reaches of the galaxy, two starships emerge from a warp drive. That's it. That's, that's all you're going to see on that front. And meanwhile, Robo Robotnik is waking up from his illness and tries to re-download the data, only to get sick again. And King Max, on the other hand, is hearing out Antoine, Bunny, and Tails. They're all defending Sonic, saying how he ultimately found out about Robotnik's scheme, his parents being mindless slaves. But Max said, all right, listen, I've had enough. I've heard all I need to know. And on the outskirts of Knothole, Dulcie brings in Sonic, Sally, and the rescued Mobians to the entrance of Knothole. And upon entrance is met with shock, uh, which Sonic was definitely not expecting. To which Bunny, Antoine, and Elias meet up with them, who tell Sonic... And Sally, the king wants an audience with you guys. Meanwhile, Max and Quack are observing Alicia's cryogenic stasis. Sally rushes in with Sonic waiting outside. She quickly leaves with Quack and Sonic meekly walks in. Sonic immediately tries to defend himself with Max saying, Listen, not one word until you listen to what I have to say. He then chastised Sonic for not listening to either the satellite situation or the mission on retrieving Nate. But Max takes Sonic's hand and congratulates him for everything, saying it takes a lot of courage to do what you did and I even apologize for not trusting you. I was not surprised when he did that. I There was no way he was going to be like, no, get out. You've, you've ruined everything, even though Sonic doesn't ruin everything. So, Yeah, in, in fact, in retrospect, you're right. Sonic is still a little shocked, but he accepts the apology and said, oh, okay, but... uh." Why were you pissed at me like that? Like I thought you were gonna thought we were gonna have a bad talk here. To which Max says, "Well, wouldn't do good for a general to publicly apologize to a disobedient soldier, even if that soldier was instrumental in winning the war." So I guess that's a little bit of Machiavellian on his front. I get it. Still, a it's a fair dick. point. You, you... It is a fair point. It's just sort of like kind of a dick move to to play this game. But all right, whatever. You got to play appearances to your soldiers whatever so on that note max and sonic then walk away with sonic saying well king max this could be the start to a beautiful friendship that's the end of that story we now move on to the secondary story of this comic ken penders uh and alan doing the art let's let's just do it antoine bunny and tails and sonic's parents are just around a campfire reading books from the library that they got earlier elias comes in nearby and asks if he can join them to listen to the story and this story being, Chuck, Bernadette, and Jules were on an undercover mission actually to find Kirby, the author of these historical records, who was 
kidnapped by the Overlanders. The king being worried that the that they got him because you know he's a historian. He probably knows a bit more than the average uh, Mobian as far as tactics c- can be concerned. But uh, they got careless. They all got careless. And what happened was Jules ending up getting shot in the head. Bernadette, uh, in a rage, attacks the Overlander who shot him, incapacitating her as Chuck tends to Jules' wounds. And need I just say here, um, pretty brutal. Pretty brutal to see Sonic's dad just straight up get shot in the head. Just say, it looks like he got shot in the eye specifically, just from the angle of the way, like the way he's falling and where the smoke's coming out of. It does look like he got shot in the eye. In fact, it, the way the angle—I mean, I should paint the picture for the audio listeners at the very least. Like, he didn't just get shot in the head; he got shot through the head. The beam goes boom, boom. The fact that he's not instantly dead is a miracle all on its own. Yeah, honestly, he's brain dead, basically. Chuck says that he is miraculously stable and managed to evade the Overlander Patrol to the Badlands, found their transport driven by Amadeus and Sherman, Rotor's dad. Uh, They broke speed records to get back into Mobotropolis, and Dr. Quack operated on him to the best of his ability, but he said to Bernadette, there's nothing that can really be done here. To which Chuck says, hey listen, if you can't do anything consider this alternative and as chuck is explaining this alternative the king is seeing the bombing of his capital saying we can keep falling back and they just keep pushing onward there's no stopping we need to draw a line in the sand we need to come up with something here that just says no more amadeus replies like with what this doesn't seem they don't seem rational here like what do they want and points to warlord julian they are your people you should know what to do And again, he replies, the Overlanders won't rest until the Mobians are nothing more than a memory. If you're keeping track, this is number three. Third time he said it. I cannot stress enough how he's really trying to drub it into their heads. Ultimately, we end with Bernadette saying, well, it was at that moment where it seemed like everything went from bad to worse. That's the end of Sonic number 77. What a, what a way to down it out, huh? It, things are already tough, you know. Like, yeah, we got back. We made Eggman sick. You go back to the flashback, it's like, oh shit, that's what happened? This man got shot in the eye. He got shot in the eye, and not only that, like... Like, here's the thing. Here, if the real lesson to take away from this, kids, is... War is brutal. It ain't no Call of Duty. This is Sonic the Hedgehog. It really is, because it's just, like, no holds barred. And wait, I mean... I think you can assume what uh, Uncle Chuck's alternative was, even from uh, previous comics, but, like, it really does get bad to worse. But, unfortunately, uh, we have to take a little bit of a break from this, and we're going to be moving on to, you know what it is, we got, it's not a Sonic, it's not an Archie Sonic Digest without a Knuckles comic, we got a Knuckles comic, only one, though, surprisingly enough. To be fair, it's, it's less of a Knuckles comic and more of a Sally comic this time around anyway. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. Like, I actually kind of, uh, I'll, I'll give Ken Penders, like, a, a fair shake here. This is a nice twist, and especially if you're reading the series in chronological order, pretty cool. Although, if you only were subscribed to the Knuckles comics, which I seriously doubt anyone was only subscribed to the Knuckles comics, that just sounds insane to me, but nevertheless, 
it just feels a little out of place with everything, don't you think? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, well. Knuckles number 29. Uh, of course, written by Ken Penders and art by Art Mawinney. In the old Freedom Fighter headquarters in Knothole, Sally is berating Antoine for taking Jeffrey on his team on the secret mission to, quote, save the brother I never knew. Antoine said, listen, it was not my place to tell you. I, I, I was just kind of on a need-to-know basis. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have... I, sorry. And as Sally storms into her father's room, he mentions that, oh, I was just about to call for you. We were going to, we, we just need to talk. And Sally says, yeah, yeah, we do need to talk. She's commanding the room here and vents to King Max saying, you, you just feel like a stranger here. You give bizarre and harsh orders. You demanded that I marry Antoine previously. And now you have a twin brother that I just, I never knew about. I never knew that I had a twin brother. What, quote, what happened to the loving, caring father that I used to know? A very, very harsh, loaded sent- or question, Sally. Look, I can't blame her for saying that, though, considering the shit she's been through. Oh, no, not even. And, and you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stress that with this next quote. Again, from King Max's direct quote. He's still here, deep down inside, trying to protect you from a fate that he hopes could, be, could have been averted. Which... Now that just tells me that he's fully aware of all the shitty things that he did, and he knew that he was in the wrong. Which, you know, again, I, I feel like, I, I think I have said this before, but, like, a lot of, ba- a lot of dads don't even get to that point. They, they just rationalize their actions to their children to the high heavens. So, you know what? Okay. Uh, he has good intentions. Still kind of shitty, though. Just, just a bit. We then transition to the floating island to which the Mobini cat weasel comes to Knuckles. And um, for this is kind of a deep cut. So instead of explaining, why don't I just uh, cut from a little moment that might help you remember who this cat weasel character is. Fuck you, cat weasel, you piece of shit. If I ever fucking see you again, I'll bite your goddamn head off. Well, that was interesting, wasn't it? Uh... <laughs> So yes, Cat Weasel. He uh, comes to Knuckles, hanging out on the edge of the island, to which Knuckles screams, You mangy old bird! Still hates him, still acting like he, uh, he had sex with his wife. You hate to see it. He comes down to <laughs> Knuckles, and as they, uh, they, they talk then a little bit about their issues, and the conversation leads into family issues, what's plaguing Knuckles the best right now? Cat Weasel talks about, oh, you know, I, my sister's a bit of a pain, to which Knuckles says, well, can't really relate, I'm an only child, to which Cat Weasel says, hey, for now, your mom's remarrying, <laughs> and I wouldn't be surprised if they wanted to have a kid of their own. My man Cat Weasel literally out here saying, like, bro, your mom's gonna fuck. Your mom's I gonna do not want to t- fuck. did not want to think about a kind of sex, I hate this bird already. <laughs> also, also, I also feel like you could also do- there's probably a Knuckles sibling out there he doesn't know about. His family's freaking huge. I mean, how many cousins has he had? Who knows? So Knuckles says, well, that's not something I can exactly call the shots for, so whatever. So, and then Cat Weasel is asked about something else that he mentioned, the Overlanders. I don't know too much, but a bunch of egg-shaped pods are flying around, to which Knuckles calls them familiar. And then Cat Weasel points to a ship in the horizon coming onto the floating island. And then the scene transitions to the pilot, Sally, who's talking to Nicole, specifically asking about the time the king ordered the royal wings to be dismantled. At the time, she called it pragmatic, because he kind of knew that they would be reactivated eventually. And also keep this in mind, this was during when he was semi-crystallized, so his 
his mindset could have been a little off, which was something that the king like took in or the king being semi-crystallized was something that they did take into account during the conversation. Hold and, on a second, though. I was here for that comic. Everybody was shitty in that situation because didn't like Sonic and Sally both be like, "Yo, you, yeah, you should dismantle." Uh, yes, and that was the very out of character moment for Sonic that I did have a rant about. I'm just trying to. My argument, like, yes, everyone was shitty at that point, but like, yeah. That's it. Everyone was shitty at that point. They didn't really know what to do. They genuinely were in a bad situation. They didn't really know what to do. And in a weird way, the king ended up being right. A little too right, but like, you know, how can you factor in other dimensions? Let's be real here. How do you factor that in? But uh, when you already know about those other dimensions, you could factor that in. Shit, you know what? That was a massive... We found the blind spot. We found the blind spot. <laughs> I don't know. I... Part of me is like, yeah, who would think another Eggman from another dimension would come back? But at the same time, it's already happened once. You're prepared for that shit. But also, they only they only had six months. They also wanted to just, you know, enjoy not being hunted down by a Robotnik. Now, but despite all of that, Sally even mentions, I don't really know if I would have made the same call here. And as they fly closer to the island, Nicole mentions to, hey, turn on the beacon so those who will protect the island will know we're an ally ship. And inside the Guardian headquarters, Haven, we see Thunderhawk and Saber, who note that despite the look of the ship, it's friendly due to the signal. So they let Sally land into the island, and she sees Knuckles, her greeting with, quote, How could you? <laughs> Just accusatory right from the get-go, man. Shaking my head. Why Why is everybody mean to my boy Knuckles? I don't even think he did anything this He time. didn't do anything. He was just vibing. And then Sally comes like, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? Like, bro, let chill out. Chill out. You didn't have to be on site with him. He's going through it. Let him live. And uh, speaking of which, uh, there, there's a quip about Sally having a bad hair day from Knuckles, which actually ends up being used to explain Sally's changing appearances in the early issues. Like way earlier on like we're talking like the very first episode sally was like she was like brown fur blonde and then at different points she was also like pink hair pink fur and that was basically explained as to oh yeah she fell in a vat of acid and spent a long time scrubbing the toxin out from her skin which explains why she is now a brunette we were really this is like nearly you know, including the Sonic comic, we're nearly a hundred issues into the series. Did anybody really care about why she looked weird in the early issues? I don't know, but you know <laughs> what? I I hand it to Ken Penders. Like, him explaining something that is very deep lore that has nothing to do with anything, very Ken Penders move. Like, this is that's on me. I should have expected that at this point. Like you said. I guess so. Or a hundred comics in at this point. Like, I should have expected this. So either way, she accuses Knuckles of hiding the fact that, oh, you knew that my mom was alive all this time. To which Knuckles says, hey, listen, no, I didn't. I had no clue about that. Only recently have I been uncovering things on my part. And if I knew, I would have told you, sincerely. Sally then says, all right, whatever. I'm really here to talk to your relatives, the Guardians. To which Knuckles says, hey, wait a minute. How do you know about the, about the Brotherhood? How do you know about Haven? To which she says, oh, my dad told me. Oh, so now who's keeping secrets from who now? Still her dad. Yeah, it was. She she mentions that as well. Like, it's, yeah, it's still, it's still her, It was still her dad. Like, I, I knew about this, uh, you know, like two minutes ago, bro. And at that moment, Spectre and Deo pop in, offering to escort Sally and Knuckles to Haven. 
and they do, and introduce the entire Brotherhood to her, the likes of Sojourner, Thunderhawk, Saber, and Locke. She says she's here for a matter of urgency and is brought into the conference room. She mingles with the other Guardians for a while, and Knuckles pulls Locke aside and pushes him on the fact that, hey, look, listen, our secrets are now affecting my friends too here. Like, you gotta let me in on more stuff. To which Locke responds, quote, you were never supposed to have friends. Oh, my, my boy. Uh, you were never supposed to have friends, which maybe was a mistake on my part, but I was just following in the footsteps of our history. So I have no say in who I have as friends, huh? And Locke says, well, not in this case, because she might be the leader of her people one day, and her interests may not align with yours. What's that supposed to mean, Knuckles asks. And Locke responds with, well, listen, uh, them trying to coexist with the Overlanders uh, are leaving them in a constant state of war. And that's all that's said at that conversation. And Sally has all the, the Guardians come together and explains the situation, primarily with Robo-Robotnik and pleads with them to continue their help in regards to Queen Alicia. Spectre, speaking for the group, says, Well, in regards to Alicia, what we did was keeping her alive with tech fit for echidna physiology. Really, there isn't more we could have done. Like, at the very least, we kept her alive. And as far as Robo-Robotnik goes, quote, Are you willing to engage using any means necessary, including the latest in munitions technology? Basically just saying, like, are you willing to use nukes? Sally refuses this, and as a result, her petition is denied. And she leaves angrily, and Knuckles follows to where the royal cottage is, and asks the colonel, hey, is Sally here? Says yes, she is there, and he goes to the backyard, and Knuckles, like, offers to hear her out. I'm not my relatives, and listen, like, I don't even really know what's going on here. Uh, as they're talking, they start to, like, reconnect little by little over the fact that their parents basically lied to them as they grew up. But at the end of the day, I still want to be your friend, Knuckles says. This, the image of where Knuckles is like, I'm, oh wait, uh, hold on, I think I'm jumping the gun. No, no, I'm, I'm not jumping the gun, I'm, it, it's gotten to get into those points. Knuckles looks like he's, com he's coming on to her. I mean, that's a way to read it. You're not wrong in thinking that, like, I definitely felt that vibe while I was reading it too, but like, whatever. It, it's not, but also, like, when was it discussed that these two were friends in the past? Uh... It kind of was established, it, was it in a Knuckles comic? or I mean, the groundwork has been laid. Like, this isn't coming out of nowhere, I can say that much. Okay, because, like, you know, for the few Knuckles comics I read with you and the Sonic comics, their past friendship hadn't been mentioned before, but as long as you know it's been... It, it's brought, there, it's there, like. it's there. Okay. When they were growing up, uh, Knuckles said that he felt very relieved to just have Sally around, Basically, you are my only friend, and for what it's worth, I want the Brotherhood to be involved in the fight against Robo-Robotnik, but, quote, I can't convince them until I can figure out how to navigate 400 years of Echidna tradition. So what are you going to do while you play Apprentice, then? Sally asked. The conversation is sort of left dangling. We don't really know the nature of it, but the scene shifts to a Colonel and Mrs. Somersby, his wife, and they see them talking from their window, with the Mrs. saying... They're they're just kids. They should be out having fun, not having to fight wars and have the weight of the world on their shoulders. Which, yes, that is 100% true. They are literally child soldiers in the war against Dr. Robotnik. But this is a very weird place to point that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially this deep in. It's like, 
Yeah, everybody in here is just a child soldier. Yeah, like the reality. The reality just kind of slaps you in the face with that line. Like, I mean, if you haven't read to this point already, like, where have you been? But at the same time, with this coming out of nowhere, it's like, Ken Penders, why did you feel the need to write that? Like, this isn't necessary right now. It's kind of breaking the tension a little bit. No, it's probably adding a different kind of tension to that, for the matter of fact. So, Sally storms off angry. You didn't join us back then when we asked you, and it's obvious you won't join us now. How can we still be friends after all that? And she leaves. Knuckles distraught, thinking, well, you know, I don't blame you for thinking that, Sally, but the Brotherhood does have fair reasons to support their position. How could I choose... If they're both right, then where does that leave me? And that ends this Knuckles comic. I'm, I'm going to pause you for a second. I don't know what it is about this last page, but when I first saw it, I, I kind of burst out laughing. With, like, Knuckles, like, on the edge of the island, and he's, like, looking over, like, solemnly? Is that what you're talking about? More more the, um, him and Sally, you know, sil- not silhouettes, but, uh... Oh, you mean, like, the, the, the okay. ghost faces, like... Yeah, I don't know why that made me laugh so hard, but it did. I don't know. Like, Knuckles has conflicted feelings. And you know what? Credit where credit is due. Like, we are setting up the fact that Knuckles is, like, upset over this. Like, he does feel genuinely torn. He does want to help his friends. He does. Like, he does regard the Freedom Fighters as friends and he wants to help them out. But now he's kind of stuck learning about this brotherhood. Like, like, let's be real. If it was just Knuckles and he didn't have to deal with all this brotherhood shit, his parents and all that, like... Sally coming to him said like, hey, we need your help to fight Robo Robotnik, blah, 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 blah. He'd be like, oh, shit, okay. I'll tell the boys to guard the floating island. Let's go. We'll, we'll move on to this next comic. And it's a very, it's a very special one. Uh, Sonic Super Special 11 Girls Rule. And it was all written by Ken Penders. Hey, whose comic is this anyway? This this one comic has five stories all written by Ken Penders. I'm going to commit sewer slide. <laughs> commit seppuku. Uh, Sudoku. Sorry, that's what I meant to say. Sudanku. So, yes, as you can imagine by the title, these are all focal on some of the female characters of the series. And I'm in fear. This, this Let's just do it. Let's just do it. Let's just dive right in. Let's go. So, the first one is focusing on Sally. Uh, titled Princess Sally Ascension, uh, written by Ken Penders, art by Valentino. And the first shot is Sally walking into the source of all fully nude. I really am going to commit suicide. Mind you also, the the uh, the source of all is colored a yellowish-orange? Yeah, it's meant to be like liquid gold. Okay, but that's not what... <laughs> You're right, but my, my brain made the stupid joke as she was walking in. <sighs> Ken, Ken Penders, why are you like this? Why you like this? And also, I need to point something out here. So, uh, reprints of this story actually edit Sally to be wearing her jacket while she's, like, submerging herself into the source of all. So she's not fully nude in that sense, but, uh, luckily for me, the archive that I got just so happened to be the original version. And the same with the archive I'm using. I didn't, I wouldn't have known that unless you said something. Ugh. Pain. Pain and suffering. So she's merging with the source of all, which is a step to ascending the acorn throne. And by the way, Elias is in the background watching all this saying, uh, I support you no matter what father may say. And when Sally submerges, she's seeing her memories played back. One of which being her mother, uh, caring for her as an infant. She sees another vision of her teacher, Jalela, 
teaching her about the need to fight back against the Overlanders during the Great War. And in the process, Sally asks herself, well, is, is this what the source is about, just playing back my own memories? To which an image of King Max appears, saying that it's more than that. It's actually the collective sum of knowledge that the acorns that came before her. Which I... That rings a bell to something. Like, this isn't a bit. I'm genuinely trying to rem think what this reminds me of. Something collective knowledge. Uh, whatever. I'll cut it out. It doesn't matter. This seems like something that would be more in a Knuckles storyline than uh, Sally, actually. Well, it's written by Ken Penders. So, like, come on. Yeah. Come on. Like, th this is part and parcel. Like, you would just think this would be the kind of thing you'd be like, Knuckles, you need to dive into the source of all. This is your final, um... This is, this is your final task to become Guardian. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be... It, it would not be out of place. You're absolutely right. But again, Ken Pender's all the same. Part and parcel. In fact, you know what? I can't believe you said that. It, quote, this... I wrote in my notes, this kind of feels like we're treading the same grounds as the Guardians. I don't remember why I wrote that, but shit, you just made my point for me. Thanks, Jackal. Hooray. Either way, she gets a vision of Elias saying that the reason that father kept her, him a secret from her was meant to protect her. And uh, in here in my notes, I also have a, what I can describe as a colon slash, a semi-disappointed face is the best way I could put it. Protect her from what? Being disappointed that she has a brother? <sighs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe protect her from the fact that he might be dead. That's like the only thing I could think of. I mean, that the only way I could rationalize this is that like, oh... Uh, the king kept Sally's brother a secret from him, so or from her, so that uh, like during the war while they're fighting Robotnik, they wouldn't have to worry about him. Which feels like foresight on a level that's unnecessary. But considering the fact that he was submerged with the Source of All, and we're gonna get to this later, but part of the Source of All, and I think it was mentioned before, but having the Source of All means you kind of have omniscience. So he probably did see that uh, Julian was gonna overthrow the kingdom, which is kind of plagues a lot of things into question now. When you have that in your mind, like, I'm basically realizing this just now, like, he knew all along this was gonna happen. Like, he's submerged into the source of all. He knows what's gonna be happening in the future. The man has omniscience now, so, like, he saw Julian is just like, yeah, I'll play their odds, even though he fully knew what was gonna happen. The only thing I can think of is maybe he saw a future where Julie, where he gets Julian right away and it becomes a bad future. Like, worse than what they already have. What do you mean by that? Like, he'd have omniscience, meaning he could probably see, like, all futures. And I guess he saw, I guess the futures where he kicks Julian out, things end up worse than how they are, what they already are. That's, like, the only way that makes sense, and even then, that's, like, incredibly flimsy. That's, that is, like, really generous. Like, yeah, I, I'm being incredibly like, generous here. Yeah, but, like, honestly, like, if... If that was, like, written to the comic, like, oh, yeah, like, I saw I saw this specific version of the future and it kind of didn't come to pass. Like, yeah, that was my bad. It's just like, well, that's kind of bullshit, but I'll believe it. Whatever. Okay, I believe you. Whatever. Elias says, oh, when father has to make a difficult decision, that doesn't mean he doesn't care. So Sally says, does that mean father is always right? So... <laughs> Well, I don't think that man's been right about a lot of things. I mean, yeah, but like, uh, we, uh... but all this passes, and then Sally sees a future version of herself as the queen appear to her, saying, "Listen, Max is one with the source of all, and he's aware of all things that to come. 
as she will be, which comes back into play like the conversation we just had. Like, again, if Max really like did have omniscience, then like did all of this could have been avoided. Like genuinely, this all of this could have been avoided if he just played his cards differently. But he just followed through. That kind of that, I don't know. I feel I feel like this kind of gives weird insight to Ken Pender's like philosophical views, especially with like the idea of like free will versus compulsive choice. Like if we're if there is like a not to get like too religious here, but if there is like some sort of like being that's guiding our lives, then we don't really have free will. But it, it, so if that's Ken Penders' mindset, then submerging Ken or submerging King Max into the source of all, he sees the future to a very large degree, and then he's at that moment where uh, he sees Julian and he understands that oh, th- Julian is going to be doing X, Y, and Z to me in the future, but still takes him on anyway. It kind of makes him sound like they're all slaves to fate, rather than like oh. I, the king, have this vision, and I'm going to actively see that it doesn't come to pass. You can see the future, but you can't do anything about it. Which is, that's very strange to me, but you know what? What do I know? What do I know? If only we could have true insight in the mind of Ken Penders. Oh, that's Actually, good. you know what? I probably don't want that. Mm, well, you know, what, what can I say? What can we do? So, Sally at that point sees a vision of Mobius 20 years later. Uh, asteroids are falling on top of Mobotropolis. Sonic and Sally are now protecting their children in their process. Queen Sally is taking her children into an escape pod, and she asks about Sonic to future Sally, saying, well, listen, uh, this is all I can show you. If you want to know more, finish the bonding process. And then Sally, at this exact moment, no build-up to it, just walks away, saying, quote, I don't want to know everything if it means being queen. She steps out of the pool, and says ultimately to Elias, this was my choice. I want to do things my own way. And leaves the chamber with Elias behind. Why are you still naked? You could have gotten dressed. I mean, good lord. Good fucking Also, and, I mean, I, I didn't. Sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, all I was just going to say was uh, Sally, like, just walking away for knowing, like, oh, yeah, there's going to be, like, this... Im- like, huge, impending, like, apocalyptic situation that you can't do anything about. Want to know more about it? No. Which, you know what? Like, considering what happened with her dad and Robotnik, I think that's a fair argument. Good! Then, you know, at least then you won't be blamed for anything. Because it's like, like, what do you mean? I didn't know this. How can I know? How can I know? What do you mean? What do you mean? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know, man. I can't see the future. I Actually, if she doesn't become queen here, she's effectively changed the future. You are correct on that front. Kind Which of. means it, it kind of goes back to Keen Acorn being stupid because he could have changed the future. Shit, you know, we're... Fuck, fucking hell, man. Maybe that's... Maybe, like, a condition of bonding with the Source of All is, like, you have to accept whatever future is presented to you. But then even then, that contradicts what you said of, like, oh, King Max saw a, a different future than what was presented. So it's like... What the hell is this then? Ken Penders, what's, what happened here? Can, can we get an explanation here? I think we're putting more thought into this than Penders actually did. <sighs> That's saying something. I, I didn't need to see Sally and Sonic's children because this raises questions I don't want the answers to. Well, you're going to get the answers anyway. Uh, God damn it. Mobians can crossbreed. Oh, okay. Like, That's it's not as bad as I thought this was going to be. <laughs> to, and to, to make it fast... Uh, 99% of the time, uh, there are, will always, almost always be twins. 
one child will have the physical aspects of one parent and the other will have of the other. That's it. Does that mean Sonic's basically inbred? Uh, moving on. <laughs> good, good, good answer. Good answer. Uh, the next story is focusing on Hershey, which, just a refresher, she's Jeffrey's girlfriend and also, uh, the murderer of Sally. That's okay, she got better. Uh, and this one was a, this one was a solo run by Ken Penders. He did both the writing and the art for it, so. And funnily enough, this is, this one is titled Hershey Solo. Because she's on a solo mission, infiltrating Robo-Robotnik's headquarters, going through the vents, and she finds Robo-Robotnik talking to General Decolet, Antoine's dad who's roboticized, mentioning that there's a radical in Mercea giving him trouble with Robo-Robotnik sending reinforcements. Hershey then asks Jeffrey for a distraction. He sets off an explosion in another building, and he just sends Shadowbots to put out the fire. Hershey uh, sends off a hand grenade down the vent, and Robo-Robotnik walks away to investigate. As Hershey jumps down in order to find out what happened to Valdez, another of their teammate. And it turns out he was roboticized. So she goes back to Jeffrey and reports the bad news. But as Robo Robotnik walks away, Hershey sets off the grenade with an explosion going off in his face. And that's that story. I got nothing to say about that one. It just kind of happened. It just kind of happened. And uh, we'll get we'll get to my we'll get to it. The third story uh, Lupe Family, as it's called. Again, written by Ken Penders and the art done by Colleen Duran, who I believe is just a guest artist. Nothing, no major connections here. Lupe with her wolf pack and also the Overlander children that they were, uh, carting along with for a while. They find their city in ruins from Robotnik's attack, with Lupe says, hey, let's not give up. Let's try to find where everyone else went. As soon as they see a missile spraying gas flying overhead and knocks them all out cold. They wake up in a metal compound, with Lupe seeing her husband and children roboticized, along with Uncle Chuck still under Robo-Robotnik's control. Chuck says, listen, if you struggle, I'm going to order your family, Lupe. You're gonna, they're going to be turned into scrap metal. So just let's make this easy for you. They quickly surrender and follow Chuck's shadowbots. The wolf pack one by one is sent for roboticization, Lupe being first. She undergoes it, and upon coming out, she charges and attacks the control panel, destroying the roboticizer. Chuck freaks out, asking if there was some kind of an error. Why hasn't her will been suppressed yet? And she holds back the Shadowbots, ordering her pack to escape. But she's mentioning that it's getting harder and harder for her to think. And that she just wants to be with her family. Her pack escapes, and they leave behind a tombstone in her memory. That's the end of that one. Uh, I got nothing bad to say about that one. Good, good, good plot. Well, I, I have some thoughts for it, but I want to finish everything before I get my, before I get that out. Okay. So, next story. Four, number four. Bunny Rabo Upgrade. Ken Penders did the writing and Fry did the art. We open on Bunny, who is in surgery, and the doctor's saying her vitals seem normal. We get to a flashback on what happened before this. She got dizzy while she was carrying a log and fainted. Antoine calls for a doctor and she was being rushed into surgery. Until he gets data back, all Dr. Quack can just say, get some rest. The Freedom Fighters are there to check in on her until Quack comes in and just shoos them away. With him saying, listen, honestly, I'm surprised this didn't happen earlier. Basically, the robotic parts of you already are conflicting with your organic parts, are creating a mess of her nervous system. Bunny essentially asks, Doc, am I going to die? Quack says, listen, 
It's possible if we do nothing. You have two options here. We either upgrade your metallic parts and you have no chance of de-roboticization, or we try to de-roboticize you, but after all the modifications that you've had, the chances of your survival with it are a billion to one. What do you want to do? And Bunny is a little conflicted and says, listen, can I have the night to think about it? Says, okay, fine. And in the middle of the night, Antoine comes in to talk with her. And she asks Antoine point blank, would you still love me even if I stayed like this? To which Antoine says, well, as long as I get to face each day with you, I'll always love you. And then the next day, Nate Morgan finishes her upgrades, a new sleeker limb set. So happy she takes off with jets in her feet. And that's the end of that one story. And again, I, I have some thoughts, but I want to hold it off until the end because the totality of it really will explain everything, I promise. Real quickly, this very last story, Julie Sue Shadows. What, you didn't think we'd be talking to Kidnas with Pender? Nah, nah, come on. Foolish. Julie Sue Shadows, Ken Penders wrote, and Patrick Spazatine did the art. So, okay, good art we have to look forward to here. So, Julie Sue riding in the old, riding up to the old base of the Dark Legion where Knuckles fought Kragok. In ruins, she walks to her old sweeping quarters where she would prepare for the day, take a uh, sonic shower, and garb up for the orders for the day. As she walks down the hall to the armory, she hears a voice, blaster at the ready, and sees an old legionnaire by the name of Simon, who recognizes her saying, listen, my wife Florin Ka raised you. And she doesn't believe him, but essentially asked, are you my father? And he says, no, but I might as well be. His story is as follows. 30 years ago, Moratori's son Luger took a bride, Marin Da, had twins, Kragok and Lane Da. The Twilight Zone portal opened up to see the guardian Stephen Wolf, and Luger led his children and people to Mobius Prime to reclaim what is ours. Marin Daw was found to have been incompatible with the environment, and the people willingly went back into the zone this time, but Marin Daw still succumbed to whatever ailed her. Years later, Luger remarried with a woman named Mary Sue, who would later give birth to a daughter, Julie Sue. Kragok and Lane Daw did not embrace Julie Sue or even Mary Sue's presence, as they saw them both as, quote, a threat to their ambitions. They shunned Julie Sue as a result. And ultimately, Mary Sue did die to an accident. And Luger asked Florencott to raise her for him as he didn't have the time. Which, very interesting thing to say about your daughter, buddy. Yeah, just, I don't got time for my daughter. <laughs> Man, like, I, Ken Penders and Shitty Dad's another one for the table, but like, good God, that's just blatant. Kragok and Lane Da wanted nothing to do with Julie Sue, so they acted a they activated a memory suppressing chip in every Legionnaire that is installed since birth, and had Simon and Florin Ka say that she was an orphan that they took in. However, Simon, who served directly under Moratori, so because of that, Kragok knew that he wasn't afraid of him, and had Simon sent away on a supply run mission, hoping that would get rid of me. But even then, that wasn't enough, and Julie Sue was eventually taken away from Florin Ka, the daughter that they never had, and another mind wipe was performed on Julie Sue. When Simon found out she was still alive, they spent their time living out in the normal, in the normal prime zone on the floating island, just hoping that 
they could find her again once the Twilight Portal reopened. Since then, Simon and Florinka abandoned the Legion and, like I said, settled on the floating island. So where do we go from here? Julie Sue asked. Let's go home, Simon replies. Let's go. There's someone who would love to see you. Yeah, let's go. And that's the end of that story, and that's the end of this super special. Now listen, here, here's what I have to say about this. I, I didn't say much about the previous stories, but really I'm just going to like cement it like this. This was penned as a, a special focusing on uh, the girls of, of the series. So you think, all right, more like feminist leading, you can assume. However, three, three of these five stories still required like affirmation from like a man in their lives. Like Bunny in regards to Antoine, like the one that like stuck out the most to me, which was the worst was like Bunny and Antoine with Bunny saying the lines, Oh, would you still love me if I was still a robot, basically? Which is, like, a very, very... It rubs me the wrong way, is what I'm trying to get at here. It just feels off. So, so let me ask you this. Let's say this wasn't penned as, you know, girl's rule. Let's say this was just a bunch of stories they decided to throw together. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, this isn't, like... If it was, like, a bunny-focused character... Like, it doesn't matter what, like, the setup of the concept is like, oh, here's a special comic that's focusing on the girls. So, you know, it's going to be a little special, a little bit of a feminist flair. Oh, look at me. I'm Ken Penders. Even still, he still wrote it in such a way that I didn't, I don't think it was good. I don't think there was needed to be a scene with Bunny needing affirmation from, like, the male love interest in her life or something such as this, which. Oh, I was going to say, she and Anton are dating, right? Yes, yes. Okay. So it's like. It just feels weird, is all I'm getting at here. And the other two, in regards, are like Hershey, like still needed to like oh talk up with uh with Jeffrey St. John, and like that that was like a little bit more necessary since he's also her commanding officer, which I feel like is a violation of military protocol. I think we need to get HR to look into that. But also, in regards to Lupe, her literally sacrificing herself to be roboticized. Because she wanted to be with her family, basically returning to like maternal instincts. Like, listen, if there if there are definitely women out there who just want to like live a trad wife kind of lifestyle, and you know what, go ahead and do it. Whatever, I'm not your boss, but it's like if you're trying to pen this again as like a very like yo let's let's go girl power and all that, like willingly giving yourself up just so you can be with your family again feels a little off to me like i don't know if i'm like phrasing it or if i'm like projecting the feelings that i want to send out here in the best way possible but yeah i don't think this is very good like there there are a lot of ways you could have done this better i i don't know i'm i think i got a lot of nothing out of most of these stories like the sally was kind of big meme uh julie sue i also find to be a big meme but that's more just julie sue's existence i find yeah, um, Julie Sue's existence is a big meme. You are correct in that front. As for the stories with um, uh, with uh, Hershey and with Lupe, I, I got a lot of nothing out of them. Like, nothing stood out to me either way. I didn't think about it the way you did. I still kind of like the thing with Bunny. I get where you're coming from with that. I, I do 100% get where you're coming from with that. But I don't know. With, with Bunny, you know, it's like life or death. It's like, well... Yeah, like, it, it just felt like we, my place where I'm coming from of, like, this is a life and death situation. Why are you going to that? You know, like, I mean, I know that's probably not what Ken Penders was intending, but, like, it still feels that way. 
to me a little bit. Yeah. But whatever. I guess in my mind it would help, like, it helps to have her talk to somebody. Because, like, that's a hard decision to make on your own. Oh, yeah, definitely, 100%. And, you know, maybe if, if that was the first thought I had, I probably wouldn't think twice of that, you know? Maybe that's a fair enough reason. Maybe, maybe if it was somebody else. Maybe if it was Sally, it's like, maybe if it was Sally that walked in, it's like, would you guys still accept me as even more of a robot? And it's like, well, duh, yes, we would. Yeah, maybe if it was more like a group setting of, like, she was with all the Freedom Fighters, like, listen, this is what's happening, like, you know, I, I, I honestly feel like a free... If there was, like, a moment of more emotional vulnerability of, like, saying, listen, Antoine, I feel like a freak. Having a robot legs and an arm, like, I feel like a fucking freak. I don't like how I look. Like, what? please, like, I, I, I want to be normal. I want to live a normal life. And with Antoine coming down and saying, hey, listen, I understand how you feel. That's perfectly reasonable. I completely understand. But I don't care. I don't know. I can't speak for the rest of them, but I know they feel the same way. I don't care about how you look. You are my favorite person. I love being around you. If it was like that, that would have been way more acceptable. Because it wouldn't have been Bunny looking for affirmation in that respect. Yeah, they could have a conversation. It's like, I want to be normal. It's like, mm, Antoine would be like, I understand that. But you, there's a good chance you'll die if you don't, if you don't go through with this. And we care about you too much to let you die. You know, be, be you bunny or robot we will accept you either way exactly that would have been much better and of course like you said before uh sally acorn being naked for all of it that would that i i know i wish i curse my ability to see um <laughs> why would you write it like that ken she barely wears anything in the first place why wouldn't you just have her go in with the jacket in the first place because like i mentioned before it was changed in uh reprints right. but i got the original version why did you do that, Ken? Like, for... I... And to top it all off, just a cherry on top of the cake, Ken Penders could not resist giving an Akinda Lord dump in regards to Tuli Shu. Like, this is just, like, perfect Ken Penders. You know, from now on, I'm not even gonna just bother, like, explaining what I think is wrong with Ken Penders. I'll just give him this comic. Like, here, read it for yourself. <laughs> You'll know. You'll know. This is everything. I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> Uh, well, we're, we're we're over a hundred issues in, and you're finally broken. Oh, I've been broken for a long time. Like I'm, this is just like shattering the pieces at this point. <laughs> but yeah, Ken Penders, you oh. did it again. This this is the quintessential Ken Penders comic. I please I, put it up for sale and and sign it, please. I beg of you, Ken Penders. I want this comic signed by you. I will admit. I I will admit. This still wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I thought this was going to be a lot worse, especially after the um, Image Comics crossover from last time. Fair enough. I think you just have a stronger constitution than I do. Maybe. Maybe maybe it's because I don't do this for a living. And so, we will end off on Sonic number 78. Uh, Carl Bowler's writing and Fry doing the art. So, we're back on Sonic. He's in full view of Knothole being knighted by King Max as Sir Sonic the Hedgehog, and Sally awards him with a Medal of Honor. And also King Max then dubs Knothole the Kingdom of Knothole, serving as safe haven for all those who wish to live free of Robotnik's tyranny. And also, the Freedom Fighters have now been restored in the name of the King to active service. My man King Max really using child soldiers is pretty epic. That's, that's epic. Bro. That is, that's very poggers, my dude. So, uh... Yeah, we're just going to gloss over that. Like, we've explained that enough. Child we, soldiers we've talked about it enough. We're, 
We're good, we're good. We're good. So, meanwhile, uh, Robo-Robotnik has fully recovered from the virus and his systems, though he had to flush out his system and start everything from scratch, saying that it could have been sabotaged, so he will pay most dearly. But he gloats that he still has the mechanical legions of Robians all over the globe, including Sonic's beloved Uncle Chuck. Meanwhile, Sonic and his parents are uh, cleaning up Chuck's room so Nate can move in, and with a heavy heart... Jules just affirm Sonic, hey, we'll get Uncle Chuck back someday. Don't don't be so hard on yourself. And meanwhile, the royal family are overlooking Alicia's cryostasis with Max admitting, listen, we know she's alive, but it's possible she might never open her eyes again. With Sally saying, hey, don't say such things. We have to have hope. And Nate Morgan walks in saying, oh, you know, I was dropping off the super emerald on my way to Sonic. So you guys want to come along with me? And as they walk away, they miss Alicia's fingers twitching in her stasis. Got a little, uh, hey, hey, look at that. Got a little spark of life, finally. Mm. And then in outer space, we then see these two ships passing asteroids. One of them saying, Mobius or Bust. Meanwhile, Mina is- Why does he keep cutting to that? (laughs) We'll get to that. I promise we'll get to that. Meanwhile, Mina is out and about, kind of seeming like she has survivor's guilt, saying that if she was roboticized, at least I could be with my loved ones right now. But then Rosie catches her attention, asking her, hey, if you could, uh, could you watch over the orphans I was taking care of? Uh, They could use someone they could relate to, she says, as I go run errands. Mina agrees and decides to tell the kids a story. As Antoine and Bunny passes, to which Antoine says, hey, you know, I am sad to know that my dad is roboticized and terrorizing Mercea. And Bunny says, hey, listen, like, he's not in control of his actions right now. Don't be so hard on that. And to which Antoine says, yeah, I know, but, like, I'm I'm just sad by it because my dad, I remember him as an honorable general and the kindest soul who ever lived and will not rest until his father's restored. Which, you know, that that's some legit pathos right there. Like, clearly Antoine respects the fuck out of his dad, and I and I'm here for that. We need one good dad, good dad parent relationship in well, this comic, please. Okay, I guess I'm gonna ask this because um, I don't know how is Tails' relationship with his dad. <laughs> oh no! I uh, oh no <laughs> I no no! We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Sonic and the other Freedom Fighters come up to them and they congratulate Sonic. Like, bro, you're a knight, Poggers. And with Sonic tongue and cheek saying, like, yeah, you know, maybe you guys should call me Sir from now on, huh? Messiah says, ah, I knew this. I told my dad this is going to happen. This is going to go right to his head. And then Jeffrey and a Secret Service team come in with him begrudgingly congratulating Sonic on his knighthood and uh, welcome the Freedom Fighters as their peers. And Elias is looking on at them thinking that, oh man, you know, they won't ever know that I argued for the restoration of the Freedom Fighters to work with the Secret Service and admittedly is a little jealous that he's going to have adventures while he lives the life of a pampered prince. But uh, upon going home, Dr. Quack tells him and King Max that Alicia's body has been restored and fully healed, but her body developed a dependency on the cryostasis, and if she's let out, like it's likely she could die right after. And to make matters worse... They only have enough power to last week for another, uh, to keep the stasis going for another while. Isn't this literally just Mr. Freeze's wife all over again? Yes. 
Yes, Ken Penders was inspired. No, Carl Bowles was inspired. I should not slander the man. I apologize. And then meanwhile, uh, Robo Robotnik then uh, logs the fuck in as I write it and finds plans <laughs> to obliterate Sonic once and for all and sends Shadowbots to see preparations. That's the end of that story. And we'll move on to the final story of this comic. The story be Ken Penders and Alan doing the art. They're still around the campfire. And Bernadette finishes the story. And at the time, Sonic was way too young to think about his father dying. So they kept that from him. Chuck mentions that it doesn't look likely that Jules will survive unless they entertain Chuck's idea. But uh, as you know, Chuck was the one who invented the roboticizer. So in this desperate attempt, he tries to roboticize his brother. Braindead brother, might I add. But... They didn't uh, expect Robotnik would sabotage Chuck's roboticizer. And she even says herself, I just barely agreed to it. But Chuck wheeled him out of the room to his castle in the lab and just basically shoved him into the roboticizer. And it hasn't even been tested before, by the way. And roboticized Jules. And it worked. But it worked too well. Jules was alive, but he lost his sense of self. After this... Chuck was a broken man after that. Robotnik considered this an experiment well done and checked in to see King Max dueling with uh, the Overlander leader. Robotnik says he has all his bases covered. He convinced King Max to duel with the Overlander overlord. And if Max won, he'd usurp the kingdom from under him. But if he won, then I can take over in a soft coup as a military leader and lead the kingdom into never-ending war. Robotnik did expect the Overlanders to be underhanded, as one was about to shoot Max in the back during the duel, but Amadeus trusted the Overlanders as far as I could throw them, and stopped him, literally pointing a gun to the guy's back, said, go ahead, m- make my day, make my fucking what day, What kid's buddy. gonna get that reference? Uh, that's not the point, but you're <laughs> right, saying. but you're right, like, Max ultimately won the duel, but didn't slay him as expected. Only told him to honor his word. Robotnik didn't see this coming. Until Chuck comes in, despondent. Asking Julian to look over his machine as he's quite the scientist. Robotnik says, what do you mean, Charles? You're accomplished as well. Not anymore, Chuck says. I was never cut out for the responsibilities I was given anyway. Chuck then resigns his post as chief scientist and goes to Jules and Bernadette's home to pack up his belongings. With Bernadette saying, hey, hey, don't, don't leave. This is your home. If it wasn't for you, Jules would be dead. And Chuck snaps back saying, look how he is right now. Look at him. He may as well be dead. She just pushes back saying, like, no, 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 this is just temporary. This is just temporary until we can find a nice solution. He is still alive. Don't, don't be like this. Chuck refuses everything. He calls himself a fraud and leaves. Too ashamed to stay. Bernadette is then left looking at her roboticized, brain-dead husband, wondering how she'll explain it to her son. How do you explain that to a child? Hey, Sonic, your dad's brain-dead, but it's okay, he's alive, but he's a robot. Yeah, you don't. You don't explain that to a child. And especially when it's a situation where it was your uncle, your dad's brother, who did it. In an act of desperation, yes. Oh man, oh man, what a pickle they got themselves into. And that's the end of Sonic number 78. That's the end of the comics for this episode. My good friend Jackal, what have we learned today? Uh, Julian's a shithead. Uh, Ken Penders is horny. 
and um, Knuckles is confused. <sighs> yep, yep. That sounds like a very accurate summation to all the comics we've read up to this point. Not even of this episode, just in general, up to the point of this <laughs> podcast. What the hell? What I the did hell it, Ken that? Penders. I, I cracked the code. I You cracked the code. We simplified. We've broken it all down to its basic parts. We did it, guys. We did it. I was gonna say, are we getting close to like actual video game storylines being adapted? Oh yeah, like the Son- the Sonic Adventure adaption is like around the corner, basically. I mean, they already got the echidna. I'm trying to figure out how they're gonna do that one with the echidnas and stuff. Yeah, I'm genuinely in- interested as well because like Ken Penders has been lore dumping all this echidna shit to the get go, and then now we're gonna have the Sonic Adventure adaption with like the Knuckles Clan. You know, you know, with even more echidna lore dump. Yeah, but at least it's lore dump from uh, the game, so that's respectable. Here, here's something I actually meant to ask about while we were discussing the Knuckles comic. Mm. Um, how come he's not in with the rest of the the um the rest of the Guardians and decisions like like the Council essentially? Uh, he said it. Uh, Sally said it herself. Uh, he's an apprentice. He doesn't. He's not oh, fully right. actualized. He technically is like a fully actualized Guardian. Like technically, what's supposed to happen is that you're fully inundated into the Brotherhood. After you uh, get an heir, and after you indict them with their training, and after... So, do you remember how I said before with the Echidnas, how, like, Knuckles' dad basically faked his death by walking into a wall of fire? Yeah. Yeah, that's what all... <laughs> I don't of, remember the wall. That's what they all did. All the Echidna uh, guardians did that to their children as part of their, like, ritual. So, upon that point is when they're fully indicted into the Brotherhood of Guardians. Guardians are freaking morons. Well, you know, maybe not morons is the right way to put it, but like this society's messed up. We this society is we live in a society, bro. That's it. A, that's our problem. Hey, uh, fan artists out there, can can you get me a knuckles but with Joker face paint? There probably is out there, and I don't want to look at that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no, you, you can't pay me enough. <laughs> you cannot give me enough money on Patreon.com/SonicSpeed to find that. <laughs> and with that shill, I think that'll uh, mark off this episode. Uh, Jackal, you want to shill a little bit before we go home? Uh, kind of. I have plans for my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash jackal79. I've not started anything yet, but keep an eye on there. Uh, I've got It's a big year for uh, not only Sonic, but uh, Pokemon as well. Of course, it's Sonic's um, 30th anniversary. It's Sonic's 30th. It's what, Pokemon's 25th? Yeah, there's a lot going on. It's a big year in gaming. It is a very big year in gaming. Um, Mario's gonna die at the end of March. Oh, oh boy. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Good thing this is a Sonic <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Who won the console wars now? It's probably Sonic. Oh, man. All right. Well, that's the end of this episode of the Archie Sonic Digest. Uh, tune in next time for the final three Knuckles comics. That's your teaser. The last three Knuckles comics. But if you think that's the end of Ken Penders and a Knuckles bullshit, I will literally laugh in your face. What a joke. Bye, everybody. Bye.